This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 347. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Part... Part? Podcast? <laughs> Part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by Matthew Marister. Greetings, sir. Hello, hello. I am thrilled to be back after uh, you and Jacob kicked me off last week. Yes. We're happy to have you back, and so are the listeners. We got loads of complaints from listeners. Mm-hmm. They were tired of listening to me, <laughs> so I had to take a break for a day or so. <laughs> You're in timeout. Timeout, yeah. <laughs> Podcast timeout. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of these podcasts, by the way, out there that like, um, su- they're super clever. They're like way smarter than I will ever be. And they come up with their like, f- their own unique ways of describing their podcast. Like uh, Primary and Secondary has what they call their Modcast. Mm. Um, that shooting show by Steve Anderson uh, always, re- well, I don't, does he, does he have a word for the podcast? I, he always just has these funny things. Like he refers to himself as the pod father. <laughs> his daughter is the pod daughter, you know, and it, it's just really, really funny, humorous, uh, clever stuff. Uh, I would, I just created a, a word for the podcast called podcast, but that doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> so we can't run with that. Anyway, I, I digress. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll work on our own, uh, our own uh, lingo, but uh, today is the Justified Saves edition of the episode or the show, Uh, this being the first Tuesday of the month, meaning we typically on this day each month now cover Justified Save Stories or DGUs, defensive gun uses as they are sometimes referred to. We call them Justified Saves uh, because they are stories of individuals, CCWers. We try to stay away from law enforcement officers, except for in the case of off-duty ones, but where CCWers save lives in a justified fashion, meaning that they are justified in their use of force. We try to make sure we don't share stories where we think somebody broke the law, uh, at least egregiously. And so justified saves. We got a lot of great stories today. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. We'll get into those stories. It's going to have to, we're going to move right along due to uh, Matthew's schedule. He's probably going to have to duck out here early anyway. So we'll try to be efficient and get him for as long as we <laughs> can today. Um, but first, today's episode made possible and brought to you by CCW Safe. CCW Safe self-defense coverage is pretty awesome. Don't believe me? Well, you can see for yourself at concealedcarry.com forward slash insurance and compare it to all of the other major players. But one thing that is not obvious on that chart, on that comparison chart, on that, that link I just gave you, is how they are the only company that has been tried and tested and proven to stand behind their members by winning a murder one trial. None of the other self-defense coverages out there can claim that. That is remarkable to me because that is like where the rubber meets the road, ladies and gentlemen, when you have your self-defense insurance uh, actually have a member that is charged. You know, in this case, this is an innocent man, but due to the facts, the the available evidence, um, some witness statements, and just some things not appearing maybe what to, to be what they thought they were, at least to the law enforcement officers and investigating agencies, uh, they charged this man, right? And his name was Steven Maddox. And that is the perfect test because CCW Safe could have looked at it and said, mm, no, we believe that you were wrong in this regard and we're just not going to back you up because you you know committed a crime or whatever. So uh, 
Anyway, the only self-defense coverage out there that has been tried and tested and proven to do what they claim to do. Check out CCW Safe. See more at ccwsafe.com. First story today is actually a uh, lessons learned. This is a really powerful story, and it comes on the heels of another similar story, Matthew. Mm -hmm. This one out of Oklahoma, where police opened fire on a homeowner. And recently, we we talked about on the podcast, I think we did anyway, about, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah. There was another situation where an officer shot a homeowner through like the side light window of the front door uh, because the officer saw that homeowner approaching the door with a gun in hand and the officer didn't know quite what was going on. He just knew that they got an emergency call from that address. And uh, so he saw a man with gun through window and opened fire. Yeah. This is a very similar story. So at this home in Oklahoma city, uh, so apparently there was some some powerful you know thunderstorms going on so it shut out power and police got a call to a house with an alarm check and when they arrived they went up to the front door knocked on the door somebody from inside approached the front door with a gun in his hand this is according to the Oklahoma City police captain the officer stepped back and started shooting at this individual that's not exactly how the homeowner said he remembers it He says he was sitting in his darkened living room with his gun at hand, ready to protect his home from unwanted intruders. While he was sitting there, a flash of lightning suddenly lit up an officer from behind. Quoting the homeowner, Mr. Williams, he said, it went from nobody on my porch to somebody on my porch, and within the silhouette, I could completely see a gun. I didn't hear him declare who he was. If he did, I didn't hear it. Williams says he gave a warning and saw a flashlight across the room. That's when the shooting started. I made a split-second decision to not discharge my gun because I didn't have any background, couldn't see where my bullets would go, and I could not identify my target 100%. This is uh, quite remarkable uh, because of a couple of reasons. Number one, the fact that officers actually open fire on this homeowner in his home. like that's, That is a scary situation and scenario that none of us hope we ever find ourselves in. Right? Exactly. Secondly, this is a remarkable story because this homeowner had immense self-control to even while he, once he starts being fired upon, he didn't fire back and he says he didn't do so because he couldn't clearly identify his target. Wow. We've got another story coming up here in a minute that talks about how important it is to identify what you're going to shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- th- this was, when I saw this at first, I was like, oh, this is another story like the other one, but um, it led up the same way, right? Like, um, you know, r- police responding, same type of situation. They see through a window, uh, somebody that they don't know is the homeowner or not coming to the door with a firearm. And, um, I think, you know, you and I kind of talked about this right before the show is that maybe people need to start thinking about how they respond to a knock on the door, um, you know, I, I know if you don't have, if you don't know who the person is or something, you may carry a firearm with you. Um, but it may, and you may not know that there's a, your alarm went off. So it's, I'm not saying, you know, if you know the police are coming to your house, obviously, you know, that's a different case, but this guy obviously did not know that his alarm had gone off or, um, indicated to the police department, Hey, send somebody to investigate. So he didn't know, um, 
And so, you know, you would presumably this guy is going to the door because he sees something out on his front porch. Um, and so he walks to the door and rightfully so he had a firearm, but maybe we have to think about how do we go th- move through the house with the firearm? Because, you know, even if you don't have those side lights on the side of your, your door, or you don't have a big, you know, window in your door, um, it's common practice for one officer to go up to the door and make contact at the door and the other officers try to see what's going on inside yeah. through a window and that you may not think that somebody can see you walking to your door because you don't have a window. But if you have an adjacent room with the window, there could be an officer looking through there and saying, Hey, somebody's coming to the door. They have a gun, you know, at the ready. And that may not be the best way to answer the door. So really kind of starts making you think about um, simple things that you might not have thought about before. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what I was thinking about from all this, especially when you take into account that, that last story, you know, the the one I referred to at the beginning of this, where the homeowner was shot through his window. Uh, You know, and I know that there's some probably listening and being like, well, these cops, like what kind of crappy cops are these? And while we probably could debate a few things there, and there's definitely some lessons to be learned, including for law enforcement officers in a big way with situations like this. I guarantee you these, these departments and these officers are, are looking back and looking at these situations and being like, okay, what do we need to do differently? What do we need to update in our training to try to avoid this? Because they, I promise you, they don't want to be shooting homeowners of homes, like legitimate <laughs> homeowners. Right. Uh, you know, so th- th- this is a problem. But at the same time, I think we as CCWers, like... It, <laughs> It kind of reminds me of the whole like open carry versus concealed carry uh, topic or debate, uh, Matthew, right? Where like anytime you start talking about open carry, and I don't mean to open that can of worms right now at this in this episode here today, but you know you usually get a certain segment of gun owners and carry gun carriers that will be like, "But my rights," you know, like, and if you don't believe in open carry or if you don't support open carry, then you don't support the Second Amendment. And when I make comments about not being really pro open carry, that's not made from the standpoint of uh, uh, like, I believe in the right and the privilege to do so, but rights are not the same thing as sound tactics. And I feel like this is kind of almost a similar thing where it's like, well, you're in your home. You certainly have the right to have your gun on you, to be carrying your gun around in like whatever manner you choose. Mm -hmm. But we should, probably should learn from these our, these stories ourselves as concealed carriers and as gun owners, as as you know, self defense minded homeowners or dwelling occupiers, because you may not own your home. Uh, I think it's it's wise to at least consider these these circumstances and be careful about how we approach situations around our home. Right. Yeah, and and I totally agree with you. And even going one step above is I I know we covered a while back uh, a homeowner who was shot by responding police because his wife had called in. He was hard of hearing. They were issuing commands, and they didn't know which one was the bad guy, and they ended up shooting him. So it's always like it should be in the back of your mind how not to uh, look like you're an aggressor, whether it's post shooting, you're out in public, or responding to the knock on your door or even a shooting inside your home where police are responding. Um, it's always like, you know, it's hard. Even law enforcement officers sometimes mistake a, a, another officer 
because you know they don't identify themselves correctly. So it it is it is a confusing thing, and so we should do our best to not look uh, as though we are the aggressor in all these situations. Just it's yeah. good sound tactics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sound tactics is is key. All right, let's uh, let's move on now to our story. I, I previewed a little bit. I gave you a little bit of tease, told you that we have another story that really talks about the importance of identifying uh, what you're going to shoot at. And this is a story out of the Detroit News, DetroitNews.com. The headline is, Police, Mom Shoots Would-Be Intruder Through Glass, But It's Her Son. So the story goes that uh, there was banging on this woman's front door, and then the glass of her storm door broke, you know, now, now that alone right there might be kind of one of those things. It's like, that's suspicious, right? Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. But it could happen. All right. So then this 52 year old woman inside the home fired her gun. The man on the other side of the door was her son. Mm-hmm. This happened at 8, 10 a.m. So it's probably yeah. daylight, right? That's mm-hmm. curious, but it might be kind of dimly lit depending on how this house or whatever. I don't know if it's a home. I guess it says it's a home. Yeah. You know, it could be in the shade or whatever, or, you know, it might be kind of low light, but anyway, she fired towards this sound and this banging and all, you know, it's breaking glass, but turns out that she shot her 31 year old son in his hand yeah. now. So it sounds like he will be fine. Now, as to what was going on, police think that the the son that was shot may have been suffering a mental health condition at the time, and that may explain why he was forceful enough, at least in his knocking, to break the glass on the door. Mm-hmm. So, again, we just talked about this man who was shot at, and not struck, fortunately, but shot at by police in his home, uh, and he had the restraint to realize, I don't know who that is, and now... I'll tell you what, Matthew, I think for a lot of us, somebody's shooting at us and we have no understanding as to like, somebody's trying to kill me. Why? I mean, that would be interpreted by a lot of people as this is a threat to me and I I need to respond. That man was incredibly fortunate in his, especially in his amount of restraint because he would have been shooting back at police, which probably would have just escalated their own, continued shooting mm-hmm. and he probably would have, you know, been seriously wounded or killed. And so, you know, here we have a situation where a mother does not identify her son, her own son during daylight hours at their home and shoots him. We've covered other similar stories in the past where fathers have shot wives or husbands have shot wives, wives have shot husbands, uh, fathers have shot daughters, you know, all this stuff, right? identifying your target is a necessity, I believe. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we harp on this almost every time we find a, a, a what not to do. It's one of these, right? Like there's always one in the, a month at least, it seems that people just, you know, I can understand if you're being shot at. I can even understand that guy saying, I'm going to shoot at what's shooting at me. I know there's somebody out there. I could even understand you know, that kind of mindset, but shooting at somebody who is not forced their way into your home, you haven't identified it, who they are. Um, I mean, that's just, it's just not good all around, you know? And so, um, 
it's, it's, I think it's a mindset thing. Like we're in, you're in your home. You have to realize that I I bet you that guy didn't start shooting because he was inside his home and felt a little bit more secure that maybe I can get behind a wall or move to another area where the rounds weren't going to hit me. So he probably didn't feel the necessity to fire back as if he was, you know, out in the street, just having a, a gun battle with, uh, with people shooting at him. But, um, you know, there is a point where the the switch has to be clipped or flipped and you engage, but you've got to be sure of what you're shooting at and what's going to happen if you are to miss. So, um, yep. this is unfortunate, but at least the guy survived. So, yep. Yeah. We have a comment by the way from uh, Byron. He says, need to have good situational awareness. If you draw your firearm, while that is certainly true, I mean, we should have good situational awareness all the time, but even situational awareness is not necessarily ex- the same thing as seeing what you need to see, meaning like identifying a target. Uh, I mean, you might think that that's saying the same thing. I don't necessarily see it that way. I mean, situational awareness is just, in my opinion, like awareness of situation around me, but we can't always be aware of, things that we can't see. That's why we need to be able to actually see those things and, and identify them. That's why, you know, I've got right here on me. I mean, it's daylight hours, but I, I'm always carrying a, a good quality, bright, it's like a thousand lumen flashlight. This is a surefire, you know, so I can light up whatever I, I need to see. And a weapon mounted light, I think certainly makes sense for most people in a home environment. They should always, of course, have a flashlight too. But anyway, All right. Uh, We had another story about a situation in Nebraska where a woman is being charged uh, after shooting after a fleeing shoplifting suspect. Not going to go into the details of that story today, but I'm letting you know about it because in our weekly show or in our show notes, um, particularly with these episodes where we have news stories like this, uh, you can always refer to the show notes and I include where possible stories that we don't have time to cover in the podcast uh, in the show notes as well. So you can go and see the stories we didn't cover today in today's show notes. When, once this is once the podcast is published, we're obviously recording this live. So, and we had a recommendation from Elkie saying that we should refer to this as the PewCast. <laughs> and I kind of like that. I like it too. The PewCast, the concealed carry PewCast. <laughs> nice. Good one, Elkie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, next up. Uh, tell us, uh, Matthew, about the story about a pregnant mom shooting her boyfriend to defend her young son. Yeah, this was awesome. Um, this is off of our website, I believe, uh, Kentucky, right? Yep. Kentucky uh, state page on our website. But a mother was forced to shoot the father of her child after he tried to abduct her and their one-year-old one son on Wednesday. So basically how this rolls is a uh, woman has her uh, one-year-old child in the car. They are uh, uh, in, a, in a confrontation with the I guess the ex-boyfriend, um, because he has, she has broken it off with him. He's, he's obviously upset. Um, and so they get into an argument. She runs into the store or a physical kind of altercation. She runs into the store, um, to kind of get help. Uh, he come, the, the, the boyfriend follows her in, picks her up, throws her back in the car and takes off, um, with the son, the one-year-old and the, the one-year-old son and the mother. Um, and so he's talking as they're driving at a high rate of speed, just driving recklessly. He's talking about how he's going to um, either crash the, crash the car or he's going to take her out to a faraway place where no one can find her and kill her. 
um, she is able to climb to the rear part of the SUV and draw a firearm and shoot the driver, her ex-boyfriend. Um, so really kind of crazy thing that you wouldn't expect to have happen. Uh, you have to understand this didn't happen in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. There were people around. Um, and so you have to understand that like people want to help, but at certain points, uh, this guy comes and picks her up, throws her in a car and nobody can stop her, uh, stop the guy. So until she takes it into her own hands and, and, you know, even if they say, Hey, she could have called police. They could have, this guy could have gone on a, you know, a police chase for as long as he could have with them in the backseat, who knows he, you know, pulls a, you know, a head on collision to try to kill himself and everybody in the car. So she, was her only, her only, she was the first responder and the only one that could really effectively end it as quickly as it could, as she did. Yeah. Interestingly, uh, it says that the gunshot wounds he suffered were multiple and to his arm. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, I don't know how to read that. I don't know whether she was not aiming for center mass or, uh, you know, because she didn't really want to, hurt him that bad or if it was just a consequence of where his arm was located in relation to his chest or whatever. But I'll tell you what, again, I think some of her feelings for this man, regardless of where, what the exact state of those feelings were at the time, uh, probably played into this a little bit would be my guess because somebody's trying to kill me (laughs) or kidnap me or my child or whatever. And I'm in the backseat. I'm, probably close enough that I'm just shooting them in the head. Although risky, obviously with you being in a moving vehicle. So yeah. Anyway, that's an interesting one. Crazy story there. A good thing. She had the gun on her. No kidding. Maybe in her purse rather than in the center console where we're a, a car holster because not only does she not have access in this situation, yep. but he would have access. So yeah. Um, another reason why, you know, we recommend that you carry the firearm on your person, even if you're in your vehicle. So for sure, man. Yep. That's a, that's a wild one. We got other wild stories. Here's one from Fox five, Atlanta.com deputies credit armed employee with stopping potential mass shooting at bar mass shootings and mass killings are on everybody's minds these days. And this happened kind of, you know, during all this, we've had some pretty, you know, significant ones in the last month, El Paso, Dayton, this one in Odessa, Texas, just, uh, you know, last week. Um, so, you know, I, I, I wish, I mean, obviously those significant events get the kind of media coverage they get for a reason. They are sensational. They are, emotional. They are big deals as far as a lot of people are impacted by these. Uh, But I wish these kind of stories got more coverage because we should be hailing heroes like this in a big way, right? Mm -hmm. But so much time and attention is spent on those that perpetrate these mass killings. But we don't really spend a lot of time talking about heroes, here we have a hero, an off-duty, an armed off-duty employee. It says he may have stopped a mass shooting in a crowded bar last, uh, actually, two Saturdays ago. Now, 
Fox 5 News has the exclusive surveillance video, and you should go check out this video. This is in the story that is included in the show notes of today's episode. Um, it shows that an individual is on his way into the bar with a handgun when Ben McCoy confronts him and is shot multiple times. He drew the gunman's attention and then drew his fire. Deputies say the security footage also shows the man, the perpetrator, being ejected from the bar earlier when security there confronted him numerous times. So he is sent or he is seen repeatedly trying to get back into the bar and repeatedly he is turned away. So he continues to get clearly he's getting agitated, upset, frustrated. Uh, he then grabs a gun that he's going to go back into. Uh, and actually he even stated his intent. He issued multiple warnings. He was going to return and shoot up the bar. So the video shows McCoy, the good guy, placing a small caliber rifle in from the back of his SUV into the back seat. It appears that McCoy shouts to the man, and he is then seen opening fire. Another camera angle shows the perpetrator pursuing McCoy and firing continuously with his handgun even after McCoy is down. Deputies say he then grabs McCoy's rifle and runs away. The man was uh, tracked down later and arrested. Uh, ben McCoy was shot four to six times. Hmm. He is a hero, right? Absolutely. Now, his tactics may not have been the best. Uh, he may not have been as prepared as he ought to have been. You know, he clearly had this rifle in his vehicle, and he placed it, he changed its location of the vehicle, you know, with uh, apparently the idea of making it a little more accessible, but it still wasn't accessible enough. And dang near cost him his life. He was shot four to six times, it says. But he's still credited with potentially saving patrons inside this bar because this man was intent on going in that bar and shooting at least somebody. And probably, I mean, he was upset about being rejected from this bar multiple times. That does not bode well uh, when a man is now coming back repeatedly and now he comes back with a weapon. Ben McCoy drew his attention away, distracted him enough, and likely stopped him from going into that bar and committing mass murder. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the ultimate red flag. You know, hey, if we could only, you know, stop people before they're able to commit a mass shooting type thing, right? Like this is this is what it is. I mean, the guy, they recognize, hey, some some dude, they probably kick people out of the bar all the time, right? And a lot of people probably say, I'm going to come back and kill you or I'm going to shoot the place up or whatever. I'm sure that happens a lot for if a, there's a bouncers that can comment in the comments if you're served as a bouncer. But I'm sure that happens all the time. This guy actually made good on that threat. And thank God that there was somebody there that said, I'm willing to risk my life to stop this guy from being able to carry out what he wanted to be carry out, which probably was just indiscriminate shooting at everybody in the bar and because he felt wrong. Um, yeah. So, thank God for him. Yeah, man. Yeah. We don't know exactly what, what, what would have went down had he made entrance in or entry into that bar. Uh, but, uh, I don't think it was going to be good. And, you know, uh, the, the thing is, with all these mass shootings that have happened in recent history, when someone gets to an unstable, whether mental or an unstable emotional state, and there's all this other stuff that's gone on, like, I think it plants seeds in people's minds. There's definitely a, contag- an, an, a contagion of sorts. 
Um, and that has shown, I think, I mean, I, I've talked, I think I've commented on this before. There's an article I think is quite interesting uh, by Malcolm Gladwell and agree with everything or not. doesn't really matter. I think what he presents as an idea is interesting at least to consider. And it at least sounds plausible, right? When you look at the situation, and everything. Now his article is focused very much on school shootings, but I think it's it applies to all kinds of, of shootings in in public areas, po- uh, populated areas. Uh, and, and that article, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's basically uh, the threshold of violence theory, and it's it's pretty pretty interesting to consider. So with all everything going on like it is now, you have somebody that's emotionally upset, maybe even mentally a little unstable too and is going to go do something, it's probably not going to end well. I do think that it is likely that a mass shooting was stopped here. All right, let's move on now to, this is a good one, Matthew. Tell us about this story out of Philadelphia. Uh, it, it's gotten a lot of attention, yeah, especially in a number of online groups and forums. This is, of course, the story of a Metro PCS store employee shooting a would-be robber in Philadelphia. Yeah, so you might have seen this uh, if you're on social media at all. You've probably seen this. Uh, the video shows a robber come into a Metro PCS, and as he comes in, he has a hoodie on. Um, the The store is really small, so the the employee is sitting behind the desk that's really probably eight ten feet uh, from the door. So he's very close. So he sees the guy come in. He has a hoodie on. Um, and as he comes in, the robber throws, looks like, like a bag on the, um, counter and says, Hey, put, start putting the, the phones in the bag or put as many phones in the bag as you can. Um, and begins to kind of walk around the counter, um, presumably to, you know, menace the, the store owner or the employee into doing exactly what he wants him to do. Um, the employee is is very alert. So as soon as this guy comes in and he sees something, uh, he sees him throw that that bag on the counter. You see him in this video start to reach for his firearm. Um, he doesn't draw it right away, but he's he's in the act of drawing it. Um, by the time this guy gets around the robber, gets around the the, the counter, um, his his attention was diverted just long enough so he could look down to see where he was walking around the counter. And that was all it took for the employee to, to, to pull his gun, present it and fire. Um, I'm not sure if it says how many shots, but he ended up killing him, killing the robber. Um, and the, the employee was, was not injured. Um, it's, it's unfortunate because in the video, um, some of the videos have the interviews with some of the residents and this area of Philadelphia, uh, this shop alone has been robbed. It says three times, um, in, in recent time with a, you know, it doesn't say if they all had firearms, but at least three times this store has been, um, you know, a, a burglar or a robbery has, has happened. So, um, and, and the other citizens are like, yeah, this is a daily occurrence. We hear gunshots all the time. So even in Philadelphia where, you know, gun laws are, 
are relatively strict. Um, but you know, it, it takes somebody with a firearm to protect themselves because the police even know that this place is so bad. They have a logbook that the police go in and do periodic checks to say, Hey, we walked through, we stood around, we're, we're in the area and they sign this logbook. Um, so, you know, this is not a, a good part of town, but thank God again, that this, this, citizen was able to be armed um, legally and had at least the, the, the minimal amount of training to fire well-aimed shots and know when to draw and not to, not to spaz out and, and, and do freeze up or anything like that. So good on him again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot has been made about uh, this video. Actually, there's really two videos that I've seen floating around. There's one from one angle and the other one that's kind of from behind and above the, uh, the, the desk there, the front desk. And the thing that I observe, especially from the second angle, uh, the, I think there's a lot of really good things that this man did. Uh, so the first thing I noticed is you see him looking out the windows of the store. So he clearly sees this robber approach. And I think, you know, definitely something, his spidey senses went off, you know, like there's something up. This dude's got his, you know, he's got the hoodie on and he's trying to cover his face. You know, he's, and and honestly, the robber is probably outside that store and he's probably looking around. Okay. Any cops around? Any cops? You know, anybody, any witnesses, you know, you know, that, that's, that's, that's likely what's taking place, right? So something is queuing uh, in or cluing in and, and, you know, sending cues to this store employee that something is a little off, right? And so what you see just before that robber comes in is the man's hand goes down towards his left side. The man, the, the employee is left-handed and he draws and shoots his gun left-handed primarily. And you see his hand go down there to, towards his waist and he's just getting ready, right? So like, that's really cool to see. Uh, whether he knew he did that, whether he was trained or practiced to do that, or if he was just simply reacting, I don't know. But but that's something that I think is worth worth noting, that if you have that ability to kind of pre-stage things and start to get ready, when you think that something's about to go down, uh, provided you have that opportunity and provided it doesn't give anything away, which did in this case, because he's he sitting behind this desk, right? And, it, and the way he put his hand down there looked completely natural. Mm-hmm. So, so that was the first thing. It was really cool. And the second thing, and you kind of noted on this was about how, you know, the robber tosses a bag on the, on the desk and you know, clearly says something, I'm sure like, Hey man, you know, throw the money or whatever phones. I don't, you know, he's telling him to put something in his bag and the robber turns away. And as soon as that head goes away and he kind of walks off to the side, it's game time. And that uh, store employee goes for the gun. So he waited for his opportunity. He waited for his turn. Uh, he waited for the appropriate moment so that he could turn the tide, right, and swing things towards his his favor, you know, to be in his favor. Uh, really smart move there on his part. Uh, a couple shots fired, right? It looks like the first shot or two, maybe the third one, somewhere in there, you know, definitely something takes an effect. The guy goes down, Um Again, a lot has been made about this video, including many comments about, including for myself online, about I don't know about the mag dump he then does into this guy's body, right? Um, He was not charged, which I think is rather remarkable, especially being in Philadelphia proper, where prosecutors are maybe a little bit more willing to push an issue like this. But uh, so he's not charged. 
And I think what may have played a role into that is this man had nowhere to go. He's now basically stuck in the store with somebody that just was trying to rob him at gunpoint. And so I guess he made sure that this guy was for sure not a problem so that he could then make his escape, which was wise for him to do. He then gets out of the store. He grabs his phone, obviously, for communication purposes so he can call everything in. So, I mean, that was also another good thing that he did. And I think that may have played into this. However, I think that we have to at least ask ourselves the question, is it, is it a good idea to continue throwing shots at, a, at, a, at someone, at a bad guy, when they're clearly not a threat anymore? And honestly, when this guy hits the ground, he's not a threat at that moment, right? Uh, you can take cover. You can, you know, back off a little bit, kind of get down behind that desk, observe, have your gun still trained on him, see what's going on, right? Like, I, I think a pause and assess once that guy goes down is probably the better thing to do. Yeah, and I think, you know, it all boils down, and if we had Andrew Branca, I'm sure he, he'd say the same. You know, it, it all boils down to is is your use of force reasonable and was it proportionate and, and those types of things. And, um, you know, I think you started to hit on some of those things when you're talking about him being, you know, uh, kind of trapped in that area. Um, the, it's a small store, right? The guy's close by. Uh, he may, maybe he still had access to the firearm or, you know, the person, the, the clerk believed that he still had access to the firearm and he still could uh, potentially pull the trigger or something like that. Um, you know, we don't know. Um, I think in general, you're right. You know, once the, if you can identify that that person is definitely no longer a threat, then you are obligated legally to not continue to fire. Right. Um, but it, you know, it's that reasonableness of, you know, is there, is there still a risk there potentially maybe a little bit? Is it worth, you know, 14 rounds? I don't know. A situation is going to dictate, but you definitely put yourself kind of out there for somebody to kind of smack you like a pinata, right? If you leave something out there, that's kind of, not totally sound, um, you know, you leave yourself out there. And I, I understand the whole adage, you know, judged by 12 instead of carried by six, I get it. Um, but, you know, just you I know, hate obviously, that. I hate you know, that saying. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a big fan, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where you, you assess the risk. And, and if you truly can articulate why you dumped 15 rounds into this dude, um, then articulate it. But if you can't understand that, that may be an issue. Oh, absolutely. Articulation is important no matter, you know, no matter what we do in, in any situation. Uh, again, I, I, I really, it's, it's, I hate being the one to judge somebody that's in a situation like this, right? I mm -hmm. hate it. But at the same time, I think that we have to look at situations like this and try to learn from them. And this is one I think we should learn from. I think that in some jurisdictions that this guy is getting charged for sure. And I frankly would have thought Philadelphia would have been one, right? Because, and, and again, it comes back. So we have to be aware of that, I think. And again, there's that whole, well, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. I think that's a poor excuse to uh, do things that are potentially illegal. Right. Well, I'd rather be alive than than dead. Well, that's true, but uh, you know, I'd rather be alive and behind bars. Is what I mean than dead. 
okay, gotcha. But you know, at, at what cost, right? And there are certain points that I think are going a little bit too far. Now, again, let's just look at this purely from the tactics standpoint. A guy goes down. So I know some people, the common thing is, well, he still had a, you know, we don't know where his gun is. Like he may very well still have his hand on his gun and we don't know what he's about to do. And so he could turn right around and shoot me. But again, let's, let's be realistic about this. Let's be reasonable, reasonable about it. This is what I responded to several people with. He goes down, you, you have kind of a desk behind, between you and him. So you can at least take a little bit of cover right? That's helpful. You can keep that gun trained on him. Do you really think that he can flop over, point his gun at you and shoot you before you can just simply pull the trigger again? In fact, you could probably pull the trigger three times before, uh, before he's able to do anything in response. Three times at least. Okay. So that's, that's the thing that kind of gets me with this is that (laughs) Just because somebody is on the ground and has a hand on the gun, like, yes, we need to be concerned about that. Yes, we need to try to do something about that or at least get away from that situation. But to think that a man on the ground that's not really moving could just flop over and shoot you before all you got, all you have to do is press a trigger. I, 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 yeah, that's where I say it's reasonable to at least pause. I didn't say stop, pause and assess keep the gun on the threat, right? Take other steps to increase your safety, like take cover, retreat, back off, back away, whatever, right? Anyway, again, this man's not being charged. More, you know, kudos to him, more power to him, but I think it's still a, a, a well-served lesson to, to, for the rest of us to learn from and go, okay, what would I do in that situation? Okay, and I do think there's, better alternative approaches that have less legal liability. And that's always the best thing, right? Better judged by 12 than carried by six. The better thing is always to come out of it alive and avoid legal liability, right? So anyway, that's what I got to say about that. I'm, I could get rather heated about it. Uh, by the way, uh, Matthew had to duck out. Sorry, we didn't give him, give him a chance to say goodbye, but uh, we hit that point. He had to he had to head on out of here to uh, go pick up his daughter from school. All right. So we had, I think we just have one more story left. So I will cover this one by myself. And this one is hero neighbor shoots, kills domestic violence suspect in Florida. Deputies say this one is quite a remarkable story. This happened in Pasco County, Florida. This is reported on WXYZ.com. And a Pasco County uh, neighbor is hailed as a hero after deputies say he shot and killed an armed domestic violence suspect and helped free the victim's children from a dangerous scene. The Pasco County Sheriff's Office responded to a call a little before 7 p.m. Wednesday night. According to the sheriff, the incident stemmed from a domestic violence attack. The domestic violence victim is believed a, a, you know, the, a woman was inside the home screaming for help. Uh, I don't know whether this is a uh, wife or a girlfriend. doesn't really matter, right? But she's screaming for help inside the home. A neighbor who was mowing his lawn heard her cries and ran, out, ran over to help. As the victim was crying for help, she started moving a group of young children. The neighbor described them as being elementary, excuse me, the sheriff described them as elementary school-aged children. 
she was moving them to the, to the home's second story window. The neighbor helped lower the children to safety. As the neighbor tried to de-escalate the situation, the domestic violence suspect took out a gun and pointed it at the neighbor. The suspect opened fire, but the neighbor was able to defend himself, who then shot the suspect, killing him on scene. The sheriff described this neighbor as a hero, uh, which he indeed is. This is quite a story. The sheriff says that the deputies found blood in the house and the home was in disarray. So clearly there was you know, an attack going on against this woman and perhaps even the children inside the home by this domestic partner. Here's what I think is remarkable. And if Matthew was here, because we talked about it before we went uh, on the air with the show today, that uh, he's like, I've been made fun of sometimes about the fact that I mow my lawn while I'm carrying my gun, right? But Matthew, I know, is a lot like me in that from basically waking moment to sleeping moment every day, our guns are on us because this is a lifestyle. You know, we, we carry concealed not because it's convenient, but because we know that crap goes down at the least convenient of times and the least expected of times all the time. Sometimes it happens in the expected times uh, as well, but a lot of times things happen to people when they least expect it. So this man is just minding his own business, mowing his lawn, and he hears this all going down. And because he had a gun with him and on him and he was ready to respond when this situation turned violent towards himself even, he was able to immediately put an end to it and save likely the lives of this woman and perhaps even her children. Bravo, bravo, bravo to this gentleman. This is what concealed carry is all about, which as everyone knows, listening to this program today, all of this, our, our very way of life, this lifestyle, uh, the, the weapons, the, the firearms that we choose to defend ourselves with that are common are under attack. Ammo is under attack. Walmart even now is attacking us is the way it feels, right? Uh, we'll go into that another time. But this is what it's all about. And it is my honor, my privilege to bring stories like this and commentary to you on a weekly, twice a week basis even. By the way, I'm excited to give you a heads up. Uh, may, we may have some other interviews coming up here in the near future. In fact, working on getting uh, Spencer Keepers back on the program. He, he appeared ooh, over a year ago on the show. Uh, I was talking with him the other day about getting him back on the show to talk about some, some more things that, that uh, Spencer is an expert on and is a really smart, smart guy about. But I have scheduled now for the 17th of this month at 12 noon Mountain Time, Brian Eastridge from the Law Dog, I think it's the Law Dog Shooting Sports Podcast. And he is also the owner of the EDC Belt Company. And Brian is an accomplished shooter. Uh, he is an, he is a former, I think he's a former Marine. Uh, former, you know, meaning I, I know you guys, once a Marine, always a Marine. Uh, and works in law enforcement. And so we're going to have Brian on for a great discussion, I am sure, on the 17th of this month. That's a Tuesday. And uh, so that'll be, uh, I look forward to that. And then I'll be on his show as well, on his podcast. And then again, as I mentioned, we're working on getting Spencer back on because everybody loves hearing from Spencer, I know. Uh, yeah, that is it for today. That brings it to a wrap for the show. I do have to 
uh, let you know that normally at this point, I would be announcing winners of our weekly giveaway. I don't know what happened, folks. I'm sorry. I don't, I, I honestly couldn't tell you, but I thought we had our giveaway set up and running this last week, but turns out it was not. So my apologies for that. We do have the current one up and going for this coming week. So this one runs from now through next Tuesday. I believe that's September 10th at 11.59 a.m., just before we go live on the podcast. And uh, this next week, we are giving away a set of Takos training cards. Uh, this is a this is a crowd pleaser. <laughs> these are great training uh, pro, uh, training card. Tr- these are great. These are a great training program set of cards. <laughs> How about that? It's a mouthful. Uh, developed by Jeff Gonzalez of Trident Concepts. Uh, they they are they the, the drills that are on them are fantastic. So uh, we've got a bunch of these sitting in the warehouse here. So we're thrilled to uh, throw one of these one lucky winner's way. We'll give another another set of these away on Thursday uh, live to a Facebook live attendee this week as well. Speaking of Jeff Gonzalez and Trident Concepts, I am attending and going through his concealed carry instructor development course uh, this next weekend. Looking forward to that. It should be a great time. We're putting that on here. I'm actually hosting him here in Colorado. So uh, by the way, actually have I think two seats still available in that if you're in the area and if you have the time, I know it's short notice, but uh, three day training, uh, see the 20th to the, not the 20th. (laughs) What am I saying? That's a class we have later this month. (laughs) Triple guarding class we have coming up September 20th to the 22nd. That's a class Jacob and I are teaching here in Colorado. Uh, But uh, this weekend I think is, what is that? Uh, Today's the fourth, fifth, sixth, the sixth through the eighth. Uh, so just in a couple of days here. So a couple seats, if you're able to jump in that, you should. You can find out more at tridentconcepts.com. But I'm really looking forward to that with uh, Jeff Gonzalez. Uh, now, today's episode, again, was brought to you by CCW Safe. I encourage you to check them out if you're considering some form of self-defense coverage, sometimes referred to as self-defense insurance. I would encourage you to check out CCW Safe, ccwsafe.com. And if you'd like to compare CCW Safe with all the other major uh, programs that are available out there from all the players, you can go to concealedcarry.com forward slash insurance, where we've made a very easy to digest comparison chart with some key information on that site so that you can make the best decision for you. So with that, we are going to wrap it up, let you go. Oh, hold on. I forgot to mention, along with the giveaway, just in case if you're new to the podcast, I sometimes make the assumption that everybody knows already, but if you'd like to get signed up for the weekly giveaway, please do so at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Do that. Do that now. And now I'll let you go. So a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.